This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlise Silver-Sweeney. Thinking about joining a board of directors? Looking for an opportunity to give back and also develop professionally? Today's episode breaks down everything you need to know about joining a nonprofit board. We've assembled an entire panel to answer your questions. Our guests on this episode are all members of the Canadian Bar Association's own board of directors. They're here to tell us the risks and the rewards of sitting on nonprofit boards. Let me introduce them. Twyla Reed is a partner with Stuart McKelvey in St. John's, Newfoundland. She practices labor and employment law, commercial litigation, and administrative law. She's an active volunteer, both in her community and at the Canadian Bar Association, where she organizes many different conferences in her fields. Jason Cook is a partner with Birchills in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He practices in the litigation, administrative, and aboriginal law groups. And he also teaches civil procedure at the Schulich School of Law at Dalhousie. He serves on the executive committee of the CBA's Nova Scotia branch and chairs the Legislation and Law Reform Committee. Jeff Howe is general counsel to a First Nation in rural Saskatchewan. He practices in the area of Aboriginal and treaty law as a sole practitioner. He founded and runs the White Bear Legal Clinic, a pro bono legal clinic for the White Bear First Nation members, and he's previously served as president and chair of the Wawoda Recreation Board. We're going to start at the beginning, uh, and that's the beginning of your careers. So uh, right now, you're all very established members of the profession. We don't want to say senior. I I would never call you senior, but senior lawyers. Um, But I want to go back to a time when you weren't. What at what point in your career did you first join a board? And it doesn't have to be just the Canadian Bar Association, any nonprofit board. And did it feel like the right time, too early, too late? Uh, what did you think about timing wise? So, Jeff, I actually wanted to start with you because you were the most recent graduate of law school uh, in the year 2006. Okay, well, I actually began my uh, involvement on boards quite early at the beginning when I was elected president of the Law Students Association at my uh, law school at the College of Law at the oh, University wow. of Saskatchewan. Yeah, and uh, that was a great experience. I enjoyed it very much, and I think that's when I first became aware that you, if you aim to, actually can make a difference or affect change, and um, I enjoyed that very much. And so did you carry on that service right as soon as you became came called, obviously not to the Law Students Association, but did you, were you a part of nonprofit boards as soon as you were called as well? Uh, there's a bit of a hiatus there following graduation okay. um, in terms of bo- boards, but I've been involved with the CBA and uh, other organizations thereafter. Okay. And then, so what about specifically board uh, membership? When did you get back into that after... Um, once you were called, but once you became a lawyer, so I became involved with local governance in the town I was living in in Saskatchewan, and was elected to the recreation board. And uh, we managed uh, recreation facilities and parks for the town um, for a couple of years. 
And how about you, Jason? At what point in your legal career did you first join a nonprofit board? Well, the the first nonprofit board I joined actually predated me going to law school and was part of the reason I went to law school. And it was an organization. I was living in Vancouver at the time, uh, and it was known then as the uh, West Coast Domestic Workers Association, which provided legal support and advocacy for uh, mostly women uh, under the uh, Temporary Foreign Workers uh, program, most of them working as uh, domestic workers or as we commonly call them, nannies. And so that was uh, that was an impetus to me. I, I volunteered first in my capacity as a as an English as a second language teacher, and then uh, got uh, the opportunity to serve on the board, and found it extremely uh, rewarding, and was really part of the motivation for me to to to, to go to law school. Wow. So board involvement actually was a big driving factor behind your legal career. Absolutely. Um, just to see the, 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 the potential for uh, the role of a lawyer in, in affecting, uh, affecting change and providing uh, support, particularly for marginalized communities, uh, was a big driver for me to, to uh, go to uh, where I went to law school, Dalhousie University in Halifax. And then did you continue board involvement? Obviously not the board of Vancouver anymore, but did you continue board involvement uh, as soon as you were called as well? Or did it take a bit of a break for you? Well, I was, I, I've been very active in, in the CBA, um, but that was more on a volunteer level. The, the, the big board commitment, which came fairly um, early on in my legal career, was, was a non-legal role. It was, uh, it was becoming... Uh, uh, on the board of my local curling club. Uh, oh, okay. And I ended up uh, being president, which is the Mayflower Curling Club, a well-known uh, club in uh, in Halifax with many world champions, including Colleen Jones. Wow. That's a very Canadian board involvement. It was a it? very Canadian <laughs> board involvement indeed. And uh, a great experience because, uh, you know, the board was very diverse in terms of uh, uh, age, background, uh, curling ability, uh, so it was a really wonderful experience in that sense. And at what point in your legal career was that, would you say? Uh, I'd say I started probably my my uh, second year of practice. Okay, so pretty junior. Um, Twyla, how about you? Let's go to you. At what point in your legal career did you first become involved with a nonprofit board? Um, so I, I was involved in uh, many boards in the feminist community while I was at an undergraduate student mm. at university. So my board involvement, like Jason's, uh, predated going to law school. I would say my first community leadership was in grade six when I organized a protest against the introduction of school uniforms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a very junior lawyer. <laughs> which definitely uh, shaped my view of, um, you know, getting your your colleagues and your peers together in relationship to an issue that you cared about. And uh, so in university, I was on the board of what was then called the Rape Crisis Center, which uh, during my, and then it was, um, in fact, it started as sort of an unincorporated collective. And then um, we proceeded to incorporate it. The name became the St. John's uh, Rape Crisis and Prevention Center, or sorry, the St. John's Sexual Assault Crisis and Prevention Center, and uh, then got charitable status and, and all of those things that happened during my tenure there before going to law school. 
Then after graduating from law school, I joined the um, board of the St. John's Status of Women Council, and I also joined the board of the School Lunch Association, which has a mandate of providing a non-stigmatizing lunch program um, for a pay-what-you-can model to um, mostly primary-age and elementary-age children. And uh, in terms of the business community, I joined the board of the Newfoundland Labrador Employers Council, which I still sit on currently. Wow. Okay. So a lot of different board membership throughout your non-legal and then legal career. At, at what point in your legal career did you first, were, were you always like as soon as you were an articling student and called, were you on some of these boards yep. or did it take a break? Oh, you were. Okay. Yeah. As soon as I, um, so there, as soon as I moved back to Newfoundland, Labrador, where I live and where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, I immediately regained joining on some boards. I find board involvement to be incredibly rewarding uh, personally and professionally. And so I I rejoined some boards immediately upon returning to the province. Okay. And that actually is a perfect segue into my next question for everyone. So thank you. Uh, And that's, you each spoke of this a little bit, but I'd actually be interested in hearing more about your motivations for joining the nonprofit board. Were they to give back? Were they professional? Were they both? Um, and then whether or not they've been satisfied by your board experiences. So Twyla, let's, let's go straight back to you for this one, if that's okay. It's funny because I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a mother of two children and my seven-year-old last weekend, we had just had activity after activity is, you know, it's the soccer and the, the baseball and the birthday parties and the hockey. And so we had been on the go since 7 a.m. And I think at one o'clock, my son was like, oh, can we go skating? And I, I said, honey, you know, mommy hasn't had like literally one minute to herself yet today. I just don't think I can manage skating day. He was like, well, mom, yes, you have. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, when you do things for other people, that's doing things for yourself. <laughs> and I was oh, like, so he's going to be a lawyer, too. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe you are reciting my words back to me at seven years old. And uh, but it is, you know, and, and no, we didn't go skating that day. But it is true that um, when you contribute to your profession, uh, particularly with respect to the Canadian Bar Association, you are contributing to yourself and your future. And I think the CBA in particular, um, you know, there's issues that are near and dear to my heart, like diversity, privilege, solicitor client privilege and rule of law. You know, um, helping those issues are helping all of us in this profession. Mm-hmm. And so that's your motivations behind joining the CBA board? Yeah, it's it's help. It's also helping the broader issues, which are helping the professional generally, and also my own professional development. I mean, there's sitting on a board and being directly involved in corporate governance has certainly assisted me in developing skills that are helping my clients succeed in their businesses. Challenges, yes. Okay, so building your skill set as well as giving back to your community have been your primary motivations. Absolutely. Okay, and how about you, Jason? I think pretty similar to Twyla, to be honest. Um, I, I, I think you get so much more out of uh, volunteering on a board that it, it's really often, you know, a pleasure to do it. Uh, it's really se- selfishly rewarding on a lot of levels um, because you get to learn about uh, different items such as governance, finance. You get to meet and deal with uh, people from, uh, in the CBA's case, all across the country, literally from coast to coast to coast. Um, so that, that's, that's rewarding in and of itself. The other part I just suggest is, is there is a 
you know, I, I think there is an expectation um, in our profession that we should be giving back. And um, really, we're, we're quite blessed um, to, to uh, practice law in a country that's governed by rule of law. So I, I think it's really obligatory for, for all lawyers, frankly, to volunteer, uh, to serve uh, on boards, uh, whether CBA, whether some other professional organization, or a weather community organization. And I think for most of us, it'll be some combination of those. So I, I look at it very, very much as, as something we are, uh, we really are required to do because of the good fortune we have to, to practice law in Canada. Okay, so as part of our privilege, it, it behooves us to give back and, and it's part of the profession. And then also, did I hear you say uh, networking is also another kind of, is it whether it's intended or unintended, but it's another benefit of meeting people, a diversity of people. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the opportunities to meet with, with, with colleagues like Jeff and Twyla, but also, you know, for example, tonight uh, we are going for dinner at the Supreme Court of Canada. And oh. um, how, how else would you have that kind of really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a lawyer and that's because of our involvement on the CBA board. So, so the, the, the benefits are many. I wouldn't necessarily call it uh, networking, but certainly the, the opportunity to uh, have relationships with people from all over the country uh, at different levels of their careers is tremendous. Well, that sounds really special. That sounds like an interesting dinner. I'd like to hear about it after. Um, and Jeff, how about you? What have been your primary motivations for joining not just the CBA, but it sounds like, you know, you've been a, a part of your community boards for a long time. How about for you? I would say that my grandmother was sort of a second mother to me, and she had a huge influence on on my worldview. And one thing about my dear grandmother, who will be 98 this year, next month actually, is her service to her community. She was all over the place volunteering, serving her community, and I watched that from a very young age as I grew up. And I think I, it's safe to say I brought that those ideas with me into law school. In law school and after law school, of course, uh, a similar message was instilled in me uh, in that we, as privileged um, people who have access to law school and who are uh, going to be practicing law in our communities, we have an obligation. My colleagues have mentioned it. I couldn't agree more. We have an obligation to give back. And so those two uh, concepts combined, I think, drove me to uh, where I am today sitting here as a board member on the national board. That's really lovely. So um, a motivation from family or it's been your your will to serve has been spread through the generations. Yeah, yeah. My upbringing and then what I saw and heard uh, at law school, you know, that message was clear that there's a duty or an obligation um, I believe that strongly. It's true. I believe that um, having access to law school and becoming a lawyer is a privilege. And while it comes with uh, a lot of benefits and 
um, uh, opportunity. It also comes with a duty or an obligation to give back to your community and to those around you to contribute to the profession and uh, do what you can. So here we are. It actually brings me to my next question, which is family obligations. Um, how do you manage full-time busy legal practices, other professional activities, family obligations, and board membership? Uh, what does it take to do it all well? Or perhaps what do you prioritize? Jason, let's start with you this time. So I think, you know, something to keep in mind when you commit to a board mm-hmm. is that it, it is that. It is a commitment. So and you have to be ready for the fact it's going to be a significant investment of time, uh, of effort, um, of energy. And so uh, I think the first thing I'd say is before you make a commitment to a board, particularly one like CBA, where it is a significant commitment, no minimizing that. What is the time commitment, would you say, like month, weekly for different boards, just approximately, even a range? Well, we, I'm in private practice, so everything is in, you know, six-minute increments and, and, and <laughs> hours. Right? yeah. How many billable hours? Yeah. So, so uh, I, w- I would guess for, for the CBA board, I'm thinking probably two, three hundred hours a year. Wow. I would, okay. I would, yeah. When you, when you count the travel component, I mean, it, it all depends. Sorry, Jason, I didn't mean no, to no, no, interrupt no. you there. I, I think when you um, – when you you have to factor in you know where you are physically in the country because certain places right. it's it's a lot more easy to travel than others but from from the east where Jason and I uh, both come I, I would I would agree I'd say between two hundred and three hundred hours yeah so so you you have to be ready for that commitment and you have to mm-hmm. make sure your family is is supportive of that I think that's a big mm-hmm. big factor when you're when you're serving on a board is just to make sure that. They understand, and there will be times, for example, this week when when the board will be spending the better part of the week here in Ottawa, that that they know that, and and either I, I think Jeff brought his family with them, and uh, mm-hmm. or we we leave our family members at home, but that that they understand that. And uh, the the other thing I might just mention, I, this may be a little off topic, but. Um, I think it's important that, um, especially uh, for younger lawyers. Um, there can be a lot of board opportunities, to be honest. Um, people generally like lawyers on boards. Um, but uh, I think it's better to do uh, fewer uh, better than to say yes to uh, sometimes every opportunity. And sometimes a board service has a lifespan. So, you know, I'm sure uh, Twyla and Jeff will speak to the same thing. When I made the commitment to join the CBA board, that meant that some of the other things I was doing, uh, you know, I I I had to I had to, um, you know, either resign or leave. But often those things have a natural, you know, time span of you know usually between somewhere between two to five years, and it, it, you know. But but I think that's important to keep in mind that that if you're making these commitments, um, just just you know, f- to me fewer uh, and better, fewer is better because you can make the necessary investment you need to make uh, to do it right. Okay, so pick a few commitments and do them well, including board involvement. Uh, Figure out what is actually expected of you beforehand, so what type of time commitment you're looking at, and then clearly communicate that to your family and make sure you have buy-in from them. 
Absolutely. And some people can balance more commitments than, than, than others. And I think knowing yourself is an important part of that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, how about you? Anything to add? Um, I would double underline and italicize the, <laughs> the comment, uh, speak to your significant other uh, first, if you have one. <laughs> It probably Some good marital advice for sure. I, I, I like to, to, sometimes it's better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. It, I may disagree with my colleagues on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, speak to your, your firm or, or um, your employer as well. I, I think if you've got the support of your, your firm and you've got your support of your family, if you have one, or, or your friends or, you know, those close to you, it's going to be a much easier road to, to um, travel. So I am a, somewhat unique in that I'm a sole practitioner and by and large can sort of set my work schedule. And that actually has fit really nicely with my board commitments mm-hmm. here at the CBA. So um, just following up on the, the um, amount of time involved, I, I don't disagree with my friends it might be a little more for me because I'm a slower reader we do <laughs> we do have a uh, couple of hours at least pre-read material before each meeting combined with travel yeah okay maybe we're in the two to three hundred hour range could I just jump in on one of Jeff's points just on because I, I think we talked about family family uh, commitment but I think the other thing to keep in mind is is the other part of that is obviously your employer, you know, and, and we have a variety of, of people. Jeff's a sole practitioner. I'm at a mid-sized firm. Twyla's at a bigger firm. But you want to make sure that that your your your, your work is also uh, buying in. Now, that's a pretty easy sell for us lawyers joining a CBA board. Pretty much for any 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 legal entity, that's a no-brainer and and really quite positive to have. A member of, for example, a member of a firm serve, but you do want to make sure that 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 they understand because it will be a, a again a commitment of time and travel and the like. So, so that that's the other part, I guess. Not not only our home families, but also our work families have to buy in. Our work families, and I guess the most important question, Twyla, is who do you ask first? Your home family or your work family? No, we won't ask uh, you uh, about that. This... But what? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I, I uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mother, and I'm a mother first and foremost. I have a ten-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son, and um, you know, one thing I will say, and I, I'm a, I'm a partner at a large firm at Stuart McKelvey, and you know, there, there's no magic answer to balancing everything, and you just have to, you know, one thing great about the my work on the CBA board is that the schedule is set and it's very predictable, so we know a year in advance, when our meetings are going to be, which ones require travel, which ones do not, what communities you're going to sit on. And you can, you have those dates right in your calendar. So that's, it's, you know, it's not like things are being sprung on you at the last minute. It's, it's quite easy to plan around those dates. I also, I also think that as a parent and as a, a professional working mother, especially in particular to a daughter, I love that she sees me take important roles and leadership roles in my profession and in my community. And I love modeling um, for my kids. It's, it's not always smooth sailing. And, and, you know, of course, there's always some hiccups in the row. But it, it's good to have a bit of resiliency. And it's good to say, yeah, mom has to go out of town sometimes. And 
I can do that. You know, I can be responsible and I can have leadership in getting my homework done and be accountable for those things in my life that I'd be accountable for and be accountable for packing my hockey bag or my soccer bag or making sure I have my saxophone today because I have band practice. When you have two busy parents, and which we have in my my household, um, the kids have to take a bit of ownership and accountability on their own, their own things that they have to be responsible for. And I actually think that's a positive lesson uh, for for anyone to learn. Absolutely. So modeling for your children and for, you know, if you're not a parent, but the younger generation, what leadership actually looks like and, and the time it takes and, and creating self-sufficiency. Yeah. And, and that it's not perfect. And it's okay that, yeah. you know, okay, maybe someone was, you know, five minutes late for soccer today or they got a, a ride with a friend or they didn't necessarily have a parent watching, you know, that particular game. But that that's all okay. And, you know, it's it's important to show that, you know, being a leader in your community involves giving back. It involves uh, taking ownership of respons- professional responsibility and, and, and contributing and acknowledging your privilege and contributing it in a broader sense. And I think modeling all of those things um, are just as much a part of being, you know, a responsible citizen, a responsible lawyer, and a responsible parent. Hmm. That's lovely. Uh, So I'm going to pose this to anyone who wants to answer it first. And it's a broad question. But have there been what's been unexpected from sitting on a board and board involvement? And again, it doesn't have to be the CBA. You all have experience with many different uh, nonprofit boards in your professional careers. But what have been unexpected benefits, challenges, any surprises that have come with uh, your board involvement? And again, I'll, I'll pose it to all three of you and whoever wants to answer first. Well, well, I can I can give an example if that if that helps. Um, and back mm-hmm. to the back to my uh, curling club board uh, involvement, which was right, Jason. Uh, I was told that it was a pretty low commitment board. Uh, as president, it wasn't going to be a lot of work. Uh, We had a a manager who was very well known, who had been there for a quarter century. And so everything was just running, you know, pretty much running itself until a month and a half after I started as president and said manager uh, just had a a massive heart attack and passed away. So that was uh, so that was a challenge. So I think the one I think the one thing I'd say is that there will always be unexpected uh, elements of it. And I think as long as you. As long as you embrace that, as long as you're aware of it, that you're not going to know. Uh, no one has a crystal ball a year or two into the future. But if you take that, that there there will be uh, some some unexpected events, and and embrace that, then I think it even becomes more rewarding because it really it, it's it's gratifying to know that you can you can face these events and 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 get through them, and you know, sometimes even make an organization stronger at the end. So uh, expect the unexpected, I, I think, would be my experience. Okay. And perhaps even, we talked about timing a bit, but perhaps even when you're figuring out what the time commitment will be before um, signing on, factoring in unexpectedness to you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. like, like Twyla said, um, it, CBA board is a big, it is a big commitment. I'm not trying to minimize it. But it is a quite a predictable one. Like like Twyla mm. said, we know we basically have a whole year mapped out at the start of our term. So we know when we're traveling. We know when the meetings are. Uh, so that's very helpful. 
Uh, other boards may not work that way. Um, 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 you know, we're we're so lucky at CBA that we have such a uh, an excellent uh, staff that just give us as the board so much support that really makes makes our lives a lot easier. And uh, you know, other times you may be serving on a board with you know very few staff, or or sometimes with no staff at all, where it's a, a volunteer organization. So, so you do have to keep those factors in mind, definitely. Right, and so perhaps even looking into the infrastructure of the organization before joining as well. Yep, definitely, definitely. Okay, um, how about Jeff or Twyla? Do you have any unexpected benefits or challenges or just overall surprises from your board involvement? I think for me, the the most unexpected part is the the wonderful people that I've met. Whether it's as uh, Jason referenced, the wonderful staff from the Canadian Bar Association. This organization is just filled with absolutely thoughtful, intelligent, hardworking people. And it's it's really a pleasure to work with some of these people in, in terms of the opportunities and the issues facing the profession. You know, uh, aligning, having uh, an organization which certainly aligns with your own personal core values, it's, it's easy to then promote that and be feel really happy about being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jeff, we're going to go to you last. So how about you? Unexpected benefits, surprises, challenges? I'm not going to lie. Coming into it, I did not know that we were going to be doing things like having dinners with the justices of the Supreme Court of Canada. <laughs> Those elements have literally blown my socks off. I, I, again, no idea. And it's just been phenomenal in that regard. The other thing I think that kind of struck me looking in the rearview mirror is I, I don't think I really understood the, the scope and the magnitude of the CBA's work and, you know, how deep we drill down and how all-encompassing and wide-ranging we are in terms of um, some of the work we do and the impact we make on the profession and, and even in communities. That has been a bit of a surprise and uh, a welcome one. And I love being a part of it. It's it's great to get in the game and be, be in the thick of things. And yeah, I, I guess enough said. How has it been different, I guess, your CBA board involvement with your uh, community board involvement back home? Well, I mean, same but different. You know, you, you get involved in a a leadership role anywhere and you've got some similar challenges you, you you've you, you've got to obviously address the issues that are on the table and work with others and uh, problem solves to candle around um, the challenges you're facing you know that that those core sort of elements I think are the same no matter what you're doing specifically though uh, on the CBA Obviously, we're dealing with uh, issues that our profession faces. Um, for example, um, we're making a big push within our organization these days to improve or enhance equality and inclusion. We've taken steps in these regards over the last few years, and they're ongoing measures. And I'm not sure I experienced that with some of my other board involvement uh, not to the same degree. And, you know, it, I, I don't think the fact that we've got work to do in these areas is lost on anyone. We are breaking down barriers. I'm really proud of the work our board has done in, in these areas. 
and um, happy to say that the CBA, I think, in 2019 is very different than what the CBA was in 1999 or 1979. Well, I think that's a really nice way to end. So thank you all three of you for taking the time in your busy, busy week uh, to sit down with me and to chat about your nonprofit board involvement. I think it's very helpful for our listeners to get your firsthand experiences and tips and tricks and enjoy your dinner with the Supreme Court justices. Thanks, Marlies. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to all our guests for both their service to the Canadian Bar Association and for also taking the time to answer all our questions today about sitting on boards. I'd love to hear from you about your board experiences. Have they been worthwhile? If you want to hear more about the nitty-gritty, or maybe we should call them legal details, about nonprofit board membership, the Canadian Bar Association has a webinar about what lawyers need to understand before serving on a nonprofit board, and it covers issues such as liability. It's on our website. And if you're interested in being a part of the CBA board, check out cba.ca elections. The nomination process starts in early March. Tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle, MarliseSS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes. We also have a podcast in French called Juriste Branché. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Mm-hmm.